Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm still Scott. And I am still Maddie. And welcome to the Harder Way Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be discussing how a dynamic spiritual life helps us live the harder way. In fact, is necessary if we want to live the harder way. Probably more essential than anything we've spoken of mm-hmm. and is actually previously and is actually the glue that kind of holds them all together. Right. I would say that having a dynamic spiritual life is the thing that enables you to have a confidence in God's providence, that enables you to redefine suffering, that enables you to engage in community, to understand your your callings, right? That it's that dynamic spiritual life that, as you said, is holding it all together. It helps you walk this path that gives you, uh, grows your faith and crushes your fear. fear. Yeah. In fact, quick testimony before we get into our topic, I wanted to share about, uh, somebody who has been applying these faith over fear principles in their life in their dealing with severe agoraphobia. Mm. Yeah, this is a great testimony. And when I uh, first started discipling them, you know, 10 years ago, the far, the, the, the distance that they could go, or as they refer to it as their boundaries, was about the distance from their house to my house, which was just three or four miles. That was mm. as far as, and that yeah. was better than where they had been previously, which was they were inside their house for two and a half years. Right, they hadn't gone past their their driveway. Yeah, in two it was either and one years. and a half or two and a half. Yeah. But I think it was two and a half. And um, little steps have led to the point to where uh, day before yesterday, I received a FaceTime, mm. and he was standing on the beach in Maui. Amen. Right. Amen to that. That is amazing. Yeah. So just just want to encourage you all. We've spoken previously about faith over fear, and we. It's 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 attacking the fears, even if it's a tiny bit at a time. In time, you will see the revelation of God's promise. And mm-hmm. in spiritual formation, uh, which is which is what happens when you have a dynamic spiritual life, you are changed inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And do we want to say really quickly, just kind of describe what we mean when we're talking about a dynamic spiritual life? Yeah. So it's. A dynamic spiritual life is a life that's dynamic, meaning it's creating change. It's causing change. Mm -hmm. It's having a positive effect on you. Because if you think about it, everything we do is spiritually formative. So we watch a movie. It either moves us closer to Jesus, farther from Jesus, or leaves us neutral. Uh, or some variation. It's yeah. like a, it's like a spectrum, right? So it's so some variation thereof. Something might lead you a little bit away from Jesus, and there are certain things you might be watching that are leading you way away. Far, far, <laughs> far, far away. Yeah. And so, um, if everything is spiritually formative, then a dynamic spiritual life is a life that is filled with the things that lead you closer to Jesus. Mm. Um, yeah, and in fact. 
in in John chapter 16 verse 1 Jesus says I've told you these things so that you will not fall away and if you go back into the things he's just told them one of the main things he said is abide in me and I in you mm-hmm. and you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing well how do you abide in Jesus a dynamic spiritual, spiritual life, life. Absolutely. And I think it's really important to recognize that we're kind of in a a drought right now in terms of spiritual leaders who are encouraging people to live dynamic spiritual lives or that are doing that themselves. Because right now, uh, the American church is very stuck in this trap of what we've called uh, moralistic therapeutic deism. This was uh, a phrase that was coined probably close to 20 years ago at this point. But it basically means that we'll we'll break it down moralistic, which means it's focused on, you know, doing the right things, be a quote unquote good person, you know, don't don't murder anyone, don't cheat on your wife, like basic things we can all pretty much agree on. Therapeutic meaning makes you feel better about yourself. So there's not going to be that emphasis on sin. There's going to be no redefinition of suffering. There's not going to be any emphasis on repentance or um, spiritual disciplines at all, because it's just about, you know, making you feel better about yourself and your life, feeling good. And deism. And and deism. Uh, deism is this, uh, uh, just the recognition that there is a God, uh, and then he may be Jesus, depending on your church. I've been to churches where I've gone three or four weeks and never even heard the name of Jesus. That's you a red, that's a red flag, people. It's a red flag. <laughs> Don't right. stay at a church like that, please. Because Jesus is our is our God in the flesh, mm-hmm. and so therapeutic, uh, moralistic therapeutic deism has really been ruling and reigning in, to to varying degrees in the pulpits mm-hmm. of our churches for decades now. And that's partly because some of the most successful churches, the ones with 20, 30,000 people, the ones yeah. that are holding conferences, this is how you do it. They were preaching that from their pulpits. And the thing is, you don't have a dynamic spiritual life and you're trying to read scripture and teach it to other people. You're going to say, hey, I-, I can give you five steps on how to be a better tither. Mm-hmm. And well, that's what we call behavior modification, right? which is a big part of moralistic therapeutic deism. Right. And the way you become a better tither is you ask God to give you the faith to give a dollar every week, mm-hmm. right? So it becomes a dynamic spiritual activity. Yep. Uh, give, me a, give me the faith to do that. That's how we began, we began you know, being able to can give consistently and, mm-hmm. and to give a tithe is that we had to start. I, I personally, I'm testifying about my own self. I had to ask God, give me the faith to give mm-hmm. $10 a week. Yeah, we talked we talked about that in our last mm-hmm. episode for those yeah. of you who who listened. So the the sad thing is in many churches today you're hearing sermons that just as easily could be a TED talk. Right. Right? They just as easily could be any self-help guru do you know doing their TV Deepak special Chopra. about Yeah, exactly. Here's here's how to have a happier life. Here's how to have a more successful life and be more fulfilled. And it's not its not that they're not right about a lot of the stuff they say. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. So you can hear some really good stuff from self-help people, some stuff where you're, you go, man, that is true. And it is mm-hmm. true. The problem is we can accomplish the same thing and even better and even more by a different method. And that method is abiding in Christ, connecting mm-hmm. to Jesus and staying connected to Jesus 
he will change us in his time and his way to be more like himself you know and to be the people that we that he designed us to be rather than the people that oprah says we should be well and let's take this conversation a step further right we've talked so much about faith over fear we've talked on this podcast about how control is the action side of fear right if you want to know if you're afraid just look for where you're trying to control things right if we're engaging in this moralistic therapeutic deism behavior modification uh-huh. we're trying to control our behaviors and to control our outcomes which means that those things are coming from a place of fear oh yeah mm-hmm. right because i'm afraid that i i read i see that the bible says i should do x y and z or i should not be this way or i should not treat my family this way and I'm afraid that I'm going to run contrary to God. So it, it's isn't it amazing that so many bad things come from good intentions? Mm. My intention is I want to be more godly. I want to be more like Jesus. But rather than looking to Jesus to make me more like Him, I try to find my own way. I, I try just in mm-hmm. the same way that it's so hard for us to believe that salvation can be a free gift from God. We feel like we have to do something to control it, to exactly. earn it. Exactly. Which we, which, which we do not. Yeah. You ever notice that we finish each other's sandwiches? Exactly. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's our little th- shout out to frozen. Okay. Um, so what would you say that this dynamic spiritual life, what does this look like in the persecuted church? Because we know that if the persecuted Christians are living the harder way, there's no way that they're doing that without a dynamic spiritual life. Mm. So what would you say that looks like? Well, you know, it's funny. When I was doing my doctoral research, I... Well, it's not funny, but it's, it's just funny, interesting. Funny, interesting. Not funny, ha-ha. Yeah, not, yeah, exactly. I noticed that um, when pastors and other Christians, especially pastors, when they spoke about what they did in their daily lives. Okay. Uh, and remember, remember, I wasn't asking them questions. I was just listening in on conversations. I was mm. basically eavesdropping <laughs> as they were meeting. Holy eavesdropping. Right. I, and I was just taking notes. Um, and for those of you that understand the the, the, uh, grad, the postgraduate research process, yes, I did let them know afterwards what I had done. And I asked their permission to use their material um, before I included it in my research. But I was just listening. And... What does this look like in the persecuted church? Well, it looks like prayer, a lot mm. of prayer. It looks like worship. It looks like being in the word. And it looks it looks like the other things that we've mentioned that keep you on the harder way. It looks like community. It looks like calling. It looks like, because all of those things are spiritually formative and they're part mm-hmm. of a dynamic spiritual life. But prayer, worship, the word, fasting, those are really the core things that I heard repeated over, 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 and over again. Now, fasting is an interesting thing. Yeah. When you think about the fact that, you know, there are people who are going without food, not of their own volition, right? When they're just, there's not enough to go around, Mm -hmm. that that they're struggling, some of them to varying degrees of malnutrition in some aspects, and yet they will willingly go without food in order to fast for mm-hmm. spiritual purposes when they really don't have the body fat or, or, or to spare, right? right? Right. You know, if they're for fasting. And I just find that, I find that very encouraging because I think that so often fasting is one of the things that we in America, as the American church, is very 
kind of hesitant towards and likes to kind of find ways around it and kind of avoid it if at all possible, which is ironic considering that we have so much that we, you know, we don't have to worry about not having food the next day if we fast. But there are people in in countries uh, that are persecuted that they may be willingly choosing to fast one day and then the next, they don't even know if they're going to have food the next day. Right. And one of the things that I would add, one of the things that I've observed is that when you go around the world, people don't have the same view of fasting as Americans do. Mm, okay. So typically when you say fasting, they have one of two things in mind, either a meal fast mm-hmm. or a sun up to sundown fast. Mm, more of an Eastern concept kind of, of They really fasting. have more of an Eastern concept of fasting. Our idea is about going without food for 40 days and 40 nights like Jesus and yeah. or a juice fast <laughs> or a Daniel fast. Not that I'm criticizing anything. If your heart's, if your heart, if the goal of your fast is Jesus, if the goal of your fast mm-hmm. is greater intimacy with Jesus is to um, work with the Holy Spirit as he is transforming you to make yourself mm-hmm. more available, then that's all that matters. Use whatever kind of fast you want to do. I'm just simply clarifying mm-hmm. that. So when persecuted Christians refer to fasting, they're usually talking about a meal or a sun up to sundown kind of a fast. Nevertheless, remarkable. I think you brought up a really important point, though, that we should go back to, which is that with fasting and with anything that we would categorize as, say, a spiritual discipline, the goal always has to be Jesus. Yes. Drawing closer to Jesus. Because so often in our flesh, it's easy to get into these spiritual disciplines just for the purposes of behavior modification. We're coming to spiritual disciplines out of fear from a place of control, looking to, I need to do this so that I can make XYZ happen, so that I can force myself to not be this way, so that I can work to you know, to get myself to earn my salvation, mm-hmm. to get into a better standing to with earn God, spiritual growth. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That that is that is. Now you've got me saying absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, That's absolutely. What, we're gonna make merchandise, this and it's just gonna be my face, and then absolutely underneath. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, I th- I think that that is what you said is really is really powerful. Uh, and it's really important. And I want to add that in this idea of spiritual disciplines and, and as a part of a, a dynamic spiritual life, having their goal as, as in focus as Jesus, we were kind of uh, talking about, we were talking, well, we weren't kind of, we were talking about moralistic therapeutic deism uh, as being the, uh, the, uh, the flavor of the last couple of decades for, mm-hmm. for in pulpits across America. Yeah. And so in that, there's kind of a backhanded insult on, or a kind of a down low insult on pastors that comes through that. We're kind of saying, hey, you're not doing your job. And I think we need to have a little compassion for pastors, knowing that the, the, that the world tells pastors you're supposed to be a shopkeeper. Mm. And uh, I'm still in these, these words from Eugene Peterson, uh, but you're supposed to be a, a shopkeeper. In other words, you're supposed to take care of the inventory. You're supposed to, you know, make sure that money's coming in, make sure the employees are taken care of all of that business kind of stuff. But the real role of a pastor is to keep the congregation pointed to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you do that as a pastor by first pointing yourself to Jesus. And so 
many pastors, their only Bible reading at all that they do, if they even include the Bible in their sermons, is sermon prep. prep. Yeah. You need that devotional And if your sermon's just based off of a couple Mm -hmm. cherry-picked verses, and that's the only Bible that you're reading all week, is a couple verses, you don't have a dynamic spiritual life, Mm -mm. which means that you're not going to be able to direct your congregation uh, to that because you're not you're not doing it yourself right and pointing pointing your congregation to Jesus is helping them abide in Christ and why are we doing that so that one they'll bear good spiritual fruit love joy patience peace gentleness self-control all those wonderful fruits mentioned in Galatians and kindness, all goodness. <laughs> kindness goodness yeah I, like, I think those are the two yeah <laughs> we need kindness and goodness yeah, now we, we need a lot those. of that because I'm not very kind or good um <laughs> But um, we want our congregation to be able to bear spiritual fruit, especially when hardships and trials come, so that they will not fall away, so that they mm-hmm. will stay in Christ. And that's just actually, like Jesus said. That's actually a really interesting example of something that we may talk about in a future podcast where we're talking a little, because we, we may do an episode about just the how-to, the nuts and bolts of really getting into the Word of God and um, reading Scripture But one thing that's just a little tip we can give you now is pay virtually no attention to the chapter and verse numbers Mm. because this is a perfect example that in uh, chapter 16 of John verses 1 through 4, it's Jesus explaining why he just said all of that stuff in John 15 where he's talking about abiding and him him being the vine and this super important stuff. And then they they mark the chapter – they end the chapter and then it goes into, I've told you all these things. So if you're reading and you're stopping at chapter 15, which most people will maybe read one chapter at a time, they're not seeing it being said, oh yeah, the reason I'm telling you these things is so that you will not fall away. So that when trials and persecutions come, you will be able to endure them. And so very important that, you know, don't pay so much attention to the chapters and verse numbers because those were just added in as guideposts because otherwise a book that big would be very difficult to find anything in. Yeah, the the chapters were added in in like the 1200s, I think 1205. Mm -hmm. And then the verses were added in in the the early 1500s. Um, What's that guy's name? Robert Stephanus? Stephanus, yeah. Yeah. They said that uh, he was riding his donkey down to Geneva. And uh, every time his donkey hit a bump, he he marked a new verse in the Bible. So sometimes it seems like that because when you see because some of them you have like you know uh, three verses and it's one sentence. Ephesians and like, two eight and yeah, nine exactly it's like one sentence exactly right. So so um, so understand that yeah. Just kind of, you can use the chapters and verses to remember where you're at or to help you remember passages, but don't do it to for meaning. Impute meaning. Yeah. Meaning, yeah. And, or even like to try to find some divine uh, sign of God. Like there's a one that I like to reference. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says to go and to be his witnesses, right? Mm-hmm. And then in Acts 8.1, it says in a great perse- like a persecution came on the church and scattered the church. Yeah. So the point being, oh, look, in 1.8, it says to go. Well, they didn't go. And so in 8.1, it says, well, God made them go. All right. That's, yeah. that's cool. It's cool to remember. But those the chapters weren't added in until 1,200 years after that was written, almost. And, and the verse wasn't added in until 1,500 years after that was written. So... It's really not, there's probably, probably not no some meaning secret there. Meaning there's no there. secret code. No. Yeah, exactly. Sorry to ruin that for you. So, so, but Bible reading is one of 
the most important, most critical things that we can do in order to have a dynamic spiritual what are some, life. And what are some things that you think people should do to read the Bible? How, what are some tips and tricks to get it into your world, get it into your life? I think we talked about this in the past. I mean, we did, but I'm, I'm happy to bring it up again and to share share some more. So when it comes to reading the Bible, we oftentimes think of really in-depth Bible study. Like every time we read the Bible, it has to be bring out the concordances, bring out the interlinears. You know, I'm going to have four different translations. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do a deep word study. Daddy you know, <laughs> 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 uh, But that's not, that's not the case at all. There are times and, and reasons for doing that, and that's great. But it's just about getting the word of God into you. So it's about finding a translation that you find easy to read that you're able to uh, engage with. If you're somebody that grew up only reading the KJV and that's what's familiar and comfortable for you, read it. Read the King James. Thou if hast you're, our permission. <laughs> <laughs> if you're someone that maybe uh, struggles a little bit with uh, with reading or has some issues there or you're just not into some of the more formal language, get an NLT. Mm -hmm. Very easy to read. Mm -hmm. Um but it's about finding a translation that is easy to read for you, that you're comfortable with, and just reading it. You can also listen to it. If mm -hmm. you are not a big reader or if you're somebody that wants to do other things, right, while you're uh, reading the Bible, there are a million different apps that you can use. Uh, two really good ones are, uh, if you are reading the ESV translation, the free ESV Bible app has... Um, the audio Bible on there, totally free that you can listen to. You can choose uh, Kristen Getty to read it, and she reads it in her Northern Irish accent. I was just going to say that. Were you going to say love that? that? I love it. I, <laughs> I, love I that. find it so comforting. Uh, and then also the Bible Is app, which actually is the app that's from the Faith Comes by Hearing. And so if you grew up listening to any of the Faith Comes by Hearing CD Bibles or Bible cassettes, it's the same recordings, but they're on an app. So you can choose from all different translations as well as different languages too, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. So if you're wanting to maybe learn another language, listen to it in English and then listen to it in Spanish or Russian or German or whatever. But just listening to it is huge. Whenever you can having scripture on, um, there are also ways to do that where it's paired with um, music. Mm -hmm. There's an album that just came out that's it's Psalms and then, uh, the psalms are being read while hymns are being played in the background. That's very nice to go to sleep to. And you know, one of the things like what you're, what uh, my my lovely wife does is we have a, a chalkboard upstairs, and and just every couple of days she'll write a new verse. Mm -hmm. and, and you know to check and the you board. You check the board. You read the board, and you've got a scripture that you're kind of chewing on and meditating on, and it also gives you a little insight. This is speaking to her right now, mm -hmm. so it kind of puts us all in a rhythm together. And we also have scriptures put up different places in our house and we have mm -hmm. a room where we write scriptures on the wall. Well, that's something and I've been doing in my own room, trying to be really cognizant about is just finding ways to kind of decorate with scripture or putting things up that have scripture on them to where it's like, when I'm looking for a new calendar, I got one of the Thomas Kincaid calendars that every month it has a scripture on the top and a scripture on the bottom. Uh, and my mom had just bought me uh, these really beautiful calendar cards that have these illustrations and Bible verses. And I have a couple of those up. I've got um, some different things with scriptures that are just put up on my shelves. And just having those ways to keep scripture constantly in front of your eyes and in your ears can be 
so powerful and so helpful. Let me jump in on prayer and worship. And I, yes. and I say both because for me, one of the best ways to understand prayer and worship is that prayer is simply a song that is spoken and, and worship is simply a prayer that is put to music. Because so mm, many, good. so many of our, so many of our uh, prayers, um, are are just the pouring out of our heart, and we're just talking to God, and we're sharing, and so our worship is the same thing. It's just we just use a different medium. One is spoken, and one is sung. On that note, here's what I would encourage you all to do. Number one, when you are going to pray, if you just are stuck, get somebody else's prayer that's written down and read that prayer. Yeah. You'll find yourself connecting. Get the Book of Common Prayer from the you know from the old church. There's there are a lot of books of prayers written in them, and you can read the prayers as Puritan works from the Puritans that are um, really good. There are really amazing prayers in there, and you think, oh, that's weird. Why would I read somebody else's prayer? Well, why are you reading somebody else's song? Mm-hmm. I mean, we sing songs where the words are written down. It's okay to pray a prayer where the words are written down. And it's also uh, just as good to go off script and pray your own prayer from your heart to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And just sing to, your own song you from your heart your to the Lord. You can sing your own song to the Lord, exactly. And the big thing on um, prayer is that we want to try to go from prayer where we tell God our desires to prayer where we listen for God's desire for our hearts. And mm. a good example is in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus does both things. First, he says, Lord, you know, if it's your will, or, you know, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Yeah. Like, I'd let me not go to the cross and have to do all the stuff I'm going to have to do. It's going to be if pretty If there's any awful. way for this not to happen. Right. Nevertheless, thy will be done. So in the first half, we have kind of Jesus speaking his will. Mm-hmm. And the second half, we have Jesus saying, but I'm listening. What is your will? And I think if we can mature to a place in our prayer life, and I see this in persecuted pastors, if we can mature to a place where we're now saying, Lord, this is my heart's desire. This is my will. These are the things mm-hmm. I want. But then we can say, so, so God, you know my heart, but more than wanting my heart, I want your heart. And mm-hmm. so I, whatever your will is, I'll have joy in that. And in order to do that, you have to have trust in God's sovereignty and God's providence. Because if you don't, you don't trust God to say, you know, I, what, what is your will for me? Mm-hmm. It's, we feel that we need to tell God, you know, here's my advice on how you should fix this problem for me, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking I've been having this issue and you haven't fixed it yet. So maybe you could here's just, some yeah, here are some suggestions for how you can just <laughs> deal with this. So reading the Bible, prayer, worship, as well as other spiritual disciplines. What are disciplines. some other ones? Um, we talked about fasting earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's um, community is a spiritual discipline. Engaging with community and meeting together as Christians. Um, meditation, right? And not Eastern New Age meditation, but meditation on scripture mm-hmm. uh, where right. you're just sitting with a verse and you're really kind of soaking in God's word and letting that saturate you your spirit. Go out for a walk, go out for a hike, go for a walk, mm-hmm. be in nature. Let God speak to you through his creation. Yeah. Cause the birds be throwing down some sick worship or, or the, you know, the, the different sounds in nature. Like I don't, birds so I'm, much. I'm horrified of birds 
yeah, I'm still working on that faith over fear component <laughs> when it comes to the birds. Um, but yes. But there's such beautiful sounds. Just the wind blowing through the trees. Mm, the that's sounds one of my that make. Yeah. Watching the trees sway and how different trees move differently in the wind. It's like when the wind of the spirit blows through us, we all, some of us shimmy, some of us bounce, some of us, you know, in a metaphorically mm-hmm. speaking, some of us it's sway in the wind. It's all different. And so we're, you know, God made us each in his image, but I mean, it's each unique and our worship can be unique as well. And so there's, they're unique, they're unique aspects of our uh, worship that we can bring that there's a song that only you can sing, you know, mm. and there's a song that there's a, there's a prayer that only you can pray. And so lift those songs, lift those prayers up to the Lord and really connect with him. So, and stay connected so that when you need to bear fruit, you will bear fruit. And, and that you will stay yes. in him so that when the world tries to tear you away from him, you will not fall away. And I said, I think that my concluding thought with this whole ask, this whole conversation of living a dynamic spiritual life would be that we need to be looking at how to live a life with God as opposed to living a life for God. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yes. So this thought isn't my own. This actually comes from uh, author Sky Jatani. He wrote a book about this called With. But it's the idea that we shouldn't just be looking to do the Christianly stuff. We shouldn't just be looking to, you know, act the part, act right, say the right things. I've got to go and, you know, start this ministry and get all these people to come to my church, et cetera, et cetera. But it's about just constantly living this recognition that God is with us all of the time and we just don't recognize it. That living in that recognition, choosing to be engaging with him all the time, because it's not just in worship, uh, musical worship, that God's with us. It's not just when we're reading the Bible that God's with us. It's when we're at work. It's when we're at the gym. It's when we're going for walks. It's when we're raising our kids. It's when we're having conversations with people. He's with us all the time. And living within that reality is going to shift the way that you think about your life, the decisions that you make, um, that sounds the way a lot that you like, think. That sounds a lot like One Kingdom Living. It's a lot like One Kingdom Living. Hey, let's talk about that next week. We are going to talk about that next week. Great right. idea. And that will actually be the closing of this series that we've been doing on the characteristics of uh, persecuted pastors who have remained resilient uh, with persecution. Yeah, and we, we, we present all this and more in our uh, Harder Way uh, seminar. Mm-hmm. And we just did it our for the first time last Saturday. It was a big hit. So we are reviewing, revising, improving, and looking forward mm-hmm. to our next opportunity in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, so we're very excited about that. We're very excited about that and uh, just sharing these truths. But you got to hear them first on the Harder Way podcast. So... Until we talk to you again or share with you again next week, I'm still Scott. And I'm still Maddie. God bless you guys. Catch you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.